Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott. Hello and welcome to Veloce Driving Podcast, episode 11. 11, yeah, yeah hello. So, Kat and Richard Bott as well, the same duo <laughs> every time. So hopefully you're Not getting to... anybody else to do it with yet. <laughs> hopefully you're getting uh, used to us now. Um, so, what have we been up to this week, Rich? Um, so, usual thing, we've been doing a bit of filming, haven't we? We've had a new camera to play with, try yeah. and um, improve to what learn. we're doing there a little bit. It's been a big, it's been a steep learning curve, hasn't it, putting all the films and everything together? Yeah, because we've both been fortunate enough to work with other film crews, haven't we? Yeah. Um, which has been brilliant, but we've always been the other side of the fence where we're doing the talking, the driving, but not actually the then producing and putting it together. Yeah. And, um, putting the music on so that's been a real eye opener and it suddenly makes a lot more sense now why these film crews do things like they do because when you're part of it sometimes it seems painfully slow and the same shots over and over and over but you actually start and to realise why that's some kind of sync but then the yeah. balls gets bolted back together and it a- makes sense a- absolutely so yeah so we're, it's, it's great in a way for us um, because we want to do more and more car reviews we're getting more and more context with some really exciting um, owners that have very exotic, exclusive cars. So we would like to, you know, share our passion with everybody else, really, on that, and get people's thoughts on what they think too. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of all going the right direction. Yeah. We've got a junior driver for the next couple of days, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so she's coming to learn. She's getting ready for her arts test, isn't she? So yeah. So um, doing some work on that. So we're doing a simulator day tomorrow aren't yeah. we and then we're doing an arts day the following day so um yeah that was i mean she's very very new which is great because it's great to have drivers with different um experience levels and, and start from different places as such so yeah. having somebody who's literally brand new you feel like you can really make your own mark on it which yes. is which is you know important I yeah, think, yeah, yeah it is yeah yeah but anyway, enough about us. <laughs> so, motorsport. Now, one thing I will say, as you might have noticed, we're filming on a different day. So we normally film on a Friday, but Richard had his COVID um, injection on Thursday, Thursday yeah. and got taken down yeah, yeah. <laughs> by COVID. I'm sure it's better than COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, but, yeah, know, it's, um, not officially taken yeah, down by COVID. It does not for six. Yeah. yeah, so what, about 12 hours later, yeah, something like that? In the middle you... of the night, woke up and didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, um, and that's, that's what it's been like ever since, yeah, pretty much, isn't it? it? Really, so we had yeah, to postpone yeah. filming. I did consider doing it all on my own, but I thought I'm not sure everybody would want to listen to that. <laughs> no, it's not been fine. <laughs> so uh, we thought we'd wait till now. But the, the perks even though this is a one-off hopefully the perks are we've got to see a bit more motorsport so we can discuss that side a little bit more uh, as well so moving on then to formula one yes yeah, so we watched the grand prix today didn't we, yeah from, um, from emily yeah absolutely so initially what big talking points did we have in qualifying well the first thing really was the pace of norris wasn't mm. it you know uh, we ex- you expect the red bulls to be quick you expect the Mercedes to be quick mclaren seems to have really got that car sorted yeah which is now down to uh, Andreas Seidel, you know, yeah. and the, and the team he's put together to build that car, uh, and the fact that Norris has taken a step up as a driver, yeah, you know, and I don't know whether that's the arrival of Daniel Ricciardo, but he's definitely he's taken the next step as a driver. It's almost like he he now wants to be number one. He wants yes. to start taking that leadership, and obviously he's a very young guy. Um, and I I have to be brutally honest. I thought when Daniel Ricciardo came in, he'd suddenly have his hands full. Now I know it's early days at the moment and Daniel has out qualified him um before hasn't he 
Um, but that all that said, this weekend Daniel did not have an answer. Well, he looked a little bit shocked all. after the race, really. To be honest, yeah. he was a little bit like, "Well, I know I've got, I know I've got, I've got to work on it." And yeah, yeah, I think he's been quite surprised how because they moved him out of the way in the race. Didn't oh they? yeah, well that's the other thing. So qualifying, as I'm sure anybody who's watched it anyway will know that um, he he should have been on the second row, shouldn't he? So he was going to qualify yeah, third. third. Um, uh, Lando Norris and he had his lap deleted because of the turn nine issue which became a big issue actually all over qualifying and that's a bit of a talking point I think going forward for the older school tracks do we need to have track limits yeah because they, they naturally have their own as such if you think about it and the only reason with turn nine they can go slightly wide we're talking you know an inch hit inch really when you really look at it, it wasn't it's not much, much. No. and that's just really a bit of understeering pushing on slightly um so not really for a gain and and everywhere else you can see is it's you know you're going to hit grass you're going to hit gravel that's not going to be quick and you'll probably have a shunt so i don't know how they're going to do it but I, I understand for the modern tracks with lots of tarmac yeah that you've got to you know manage that more with track limits because there's just so much extra tarmac on the edges but I don't know with the old school tracks whether it's really a problem. But hey, um, it was a massive dis disappointment for uh, Lando, but he made up for it in the race, didn't he? He did, yeah, because he he he, he just drove brilliantly in the race. You mm. know, obviously it was it was very difficult because it was very wet in places and bone dry in others. Mm. Um, and he didn't really put a foot wrong, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drove Ricardo, so the team moved him out of the way. I was going to say politely asked the team and and said. I'm faster, but I can't uh, show you what I'm capable of because of dirty air, basically. Um, and I'm always a bit funny about, you know, them swapping drivers around and things. But I do understand until the rules change properly, which is for next year, there's so much dirty air on these cars that it is hard. People do get stuck. So unless you have um, a little bit of an edge in other ways, I think, especially in the same car, it's quite hard to Well, there's no DRS at that point because it was still wet. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other other thing is, as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so that was a big to uh, talking point. And he actually finished, what, he finished third, didn't he, in the end? He finished third in the end, yeah. Um, so mega, mega happy for him. Um, that was a, a big talking point. So what, what else, then, was there? Well, the, the other thing was the p person that drove brilliantly, um, Though he made a bit of a mistake at a restart was was max oh yeah so he was pretty much faultless apart he was, from yeah. that one bit yes um, which he was laughing about afterwards because yeah. he got away with it but yeah um, and it was literally on the restart just started to just try and warm the tires up and go and the car the rear end just snapped into oversteer the problem is on a race car like that full lock that's it it's half yeah. a turn um and you know, if you haven't got it instantly, you're not going to get it. Um, and he no. only just hung on to it. And because it hadn't officially started yet, Leclerc, the driver behind, had to wait. Yes, and they, that kind of screwed him up a little yeah, bit because then Norris got past him, didn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. So it helped out Norris in the end. Um, well, lucky the, boy for Max. <laughs> yeah. But the big turning point, talking point, really, was lap 32. What Toto Wolf must have thought on lap 32, because that was the lap that um, Hamilton lapped Russell yeah. and understood off the road. Yes, yeah. But he managed to reverse it back across the gravel Yeah. Uh, and get, make it back to the pits. In the meantime, <laughs> yeah. Russell dropped it and smashed straight into the side of Bottas. Yeah, now I think there's two things there. So with the cars that are, are being lapped, when it's wet with a dry line, 
That's a real tricky one. Yeah. Because normally, and as long as you nobody was trying to say it was slow, anybody else's. Nobody was blaming anybody. No, really. but as long as you normally slow, give space, is you know, so basically you don't impede the driver who needs to come through. It's it's no problem. However, though, there is that argument in the wet. If so, what really happened is basically um, George Russell stayed on the, the the driving line and slowed a bit to let Lewis through, but that meant Lewis had to go down the inside on, on the wet tarmac on slicks. So he just started to try brake, So he couldn't didn't get he? it stopped, that's he what he said. Yeah, exactly, couldn't get it stopped, pushed on, and then the back swung round, and then he just caught the edge of the barrier, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but he still thinks so quickly on his feet, so he's apologising to the team, but he's getting it in reverse. And the reason he wanted to reverse it out is because um, you don't get as much torque. So it's you're less likely to spin up the wheels and end up dug into the into the gravel. Yeah, so, so it becomes a problem with your drive car then you just Yeah, exactly. Pull so out. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he thought really on his feet there, he was obviously really disappointed with himself. But he actually dealt with it unbelievably well. Well, I mean it? it was game over really at that point because he'd by the time he'd been in and stopped and done his changed his yeah. nose, uh, yeah. he was then a lap behind. Yeah. But fortunately for him <laughs> I mean if when they've analysed it now, a lot of the drivers have come out and said that this is really was George Russell's fault. But yeah, essentially, he was trying to pass under DRS. He got DRS uh, Bottas, and he says that Bottas jinked out to the, uh, towards him. But all the f- footage I've seen of it, yeah. Valtteri, if anything, moved away from him. Yeah, because all it is, if but you it, look But you heard all... Russell get a load of wheel spin and just turn hard left. Yeah. Huge so shunt. I think, when, I think when George Russell watches all the different angles and both cars on board's data, I think he will realise that, you know, honestly, uh, Valtteri did not jink really hard right at all. All he was doing, if you look at... Because, of course, they famously say the straight's never straight. So he's just gradually curving, isn't he? Following, he was following the, the dry line. You could see he was following line. the dry line. And of course, the car behind, wanting to overtake, needs to make a clean overtake. Now, of course, if if Valtteri then suddenly violently moved and caused an incident, that's different. But that's not what happened. It looked very much to me that um, Russell has so much extra momentum, and, and of course, he's got DRS the DRS, so there's less rear weight. You know, the back end of the down. car is light all of a sudden because exactly. the DRS is open and, and he I just think, spun the wheels. And I think he just thought, I can get through there. Oh, no, perhaps I can't. And I think he thought it'd be all right if he touched the grass a little. And obviously, no way was that And with full happen. wing, he probably would have been. Yeah, and it just spun up the wheels and it just fired him hard left into the side of Altry. But that's a very quick part of the track. So they both went off incredibly hard. Luckily, they were both okay. That's the main thing. Um, but... Yeah, I was surprised in Russell. I know what it's like as a racing driver being very pumped up. An accident happening, a load of adrenaline going. It's easy to go over and point your finger and, you know, have a moan and the rest of it. But I do think Russell, in future, hopefully will learn, especially at that level, you need to really wait and see all the evidence first before you point fingers. And also make sure Valtteri's okay, because at that point you had no idea Valtteri was, was winded. okay. He was winded. He hit the barrier getting, twice very hard, didn't Yeah, it? and Valtteri wasn't getting out of the car. So I think there's a couple of things, you know, a lot of the F1 drivers now are sort of more leaning towards, not that they want to blame, but to learn from it, let's say, is perhaps Russell needs to learn from that more than than anybody but of course if you guys have different views or perspectives still write in let us know what you yeah, think let us know what you think yeah 
and um, because it's always nice to have a debate with people everybody has their different takes on it um but yeah it, so that made it interesting um but, the main well, thing but that was a okay. reset then obviously because then lewis got his lap back yeah but the ferraris apparently had had deliberately put more downforce on the car on saturday mm. because they knew it was going to be wet mm -hmm. and they were sitting pretty certainly the clerk was sitting pretty because he was in second and he got a good nobody was going to catch him at yeah. that point because then a complete reset yeah. they were then sitting ducks which is you know, norris dropped yeah. the clerk at the start and I mean, the results for Ferrari where, in the end, finishing fourth and fifth. But. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, and it was great for science because anybody who's watched it um, will know that science was really struggling at the start of that race, um, and he sort of found his feet with it in the end. It looked like it, like everybody kept saying that he needed to play around with the brake bias more because he kept locking kept the locking front, front wheels up, yeah. so easily mm. that he needed to move the brake bias towards the back. Whether he ended up doing that and then felt more happy, because then he started to actually close in on the clerk, didn't he? Yeah. At one point uh, towards the end. But yeah, so it's, it's, it was a really interesting race and kind of hopefully highlights to people how exciting Formula 1 can be. Because um, it's like in qualifying, what was it? The, the top eight were covered by four tenths. Yeah. Now, I know we've got other formulas like IndyCar and all sorts where, it, you know, the top, what is it? 17 18 Something like that, covered by four tenths, yeah, yeah so it's a bit different but if you think for for this um for formula one they've all got different you know chassis everything is vastly different um budgets even though they try budget cap it's all still different though isn't it so to get it that close this season is a really good sign that hopefully we're uh, you know in for a really exciting season you know, today we had three different drivers from three different teams on the podium. Yeah. And that's what people want to see. Is You know, as much as a lot of people love Lewis and respect Lewis as a driver, it is just nice to mix it up and see others doing well, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is, yeah. And not knowing who's going to win, and, and it felt like that today. Yes. I would say at Imola. Mm. Um, and hopefully if we can have that when it's not wet as well, then, well, then they know, not, you know, you know, that's going to be the game changer. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so we'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of the main points. The only other obvious talking point uh, here is uh, Marzipan. I mean, he went after the restart. After about, what was it, 15 laps or something, he was 40 seconds behind Schumacher. Yeah. and he That's, that's running only, on a dry track. And, you know, uh, that's pathetic. That's the only driver really can compare him to because they're in the Haas. We know the Haas hasn't been developed this year. They've decided it. I don't really understand the strategy in some respects because they've decided they're going to invest nothing this year and it's they're investing fully behind the scenes for their 2023 car, which is, is it or 2022 car? Yeah. Sorry, getting lost in my years. Yeah, 2022 car. Um, so you think, okay, I, I get that the resources, um, putting it into that, but the only thing is that means now. The car they've currently got is so far behind and undrivable, and they've got two young rookies in it. And I just think it's. Um, I mean, I think they're, they're spending a lot of money. Yes. And not going to really get much out of this no. at all, really. But so I think Schumacher's doing a good job. Oh, I mean, absolutely. he wasn't far behind Giovinazzi. I mean, around the house yeah. is not, you know, not and as good as the Alpha, that, I don't think. Yeah, but, we know the house um, is. But it's just Mazepin. It's like, what's that all about? Yeah, because the one thing I would say with Schumacher watching him in the free practices on Friday and Saturday. He's driving well. He's driving well. You know, yeah. you can see how well he's driving, how quick. You know, he would make mistakes like Marsupin, but he'd be on top of it so quickly. Whereas Marsupin is so behind the car all she the just time. Just keeps spinning and going um, off. And... and this is where money will get you that far, but actually, you still got to be able to 
perform. You're now being measured when you get to the top, mm. aren't you? Well and truly being measured. And when you're out there on your own doing the job, it comes down then to your skill set, doesn't it? It does, Can yeah. you do that and achieve that? And I've, I've probably been quite hard on Stroll in the past, but Stroll did a hell of a lot better job yeah, than He did a good job today, actually, Stroll. Um, you know, and, and I mean, Stroll, he's just not consistent enough, Stroll. Yeah. And he's and, never going to be... You know, Lewis is he? No, no, I don't think so. But he's, I feel, I feel he's had far more opportunities than some of the drivers to, like I know he invested and bought like a a Williams for a year, like from previous year, so they could just go and test all yeah. year or their own do do things that most drivers don't get chance to do before they come in. Um, but you know he 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 seems to be improving all the time and you think well to be fair you know he he looks confident he's getting the results yeah. he's getting consistent so you think yeah he he's he becoming would, pretty solid and really he was strong. never like marzipan at the start was he no he wasn't you know so he's just out of his depth so i think though it does show really to get a super license to be in formula one you need to have finished or won certain categories yeah you do well you have to get point the right number so, of points don't you yeah to get but like it's got to be it's got to it's going to have to be tougher isn't it because if people like Mars have been, we've and we've seen it before haven't we people are getting in there and i know well, julian palmer was another one well i won't mention names of who told me because it's a fairly big name but he said he reckoned no more than two years in formula two and yeah. he, he's in formula one he's a big boss and said any Anybody that has to do more than two years in Formula Two or, or Formula Three, you know, forget it. You're not good enough. But not for that level, basically. No. Um, because they're looking for people that can win it in the first year or certainly be super dominant in the second year. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, so I wonder if things may change there, really. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. So we've yeah. also had, well, part of the IndyCar. Yeah, so we? you start it's a, it's a, tonight, first round of the IndyCars. Yeah, so we've got Motorsport Park. We've had qualifying. It's a bit like Cadwell. By the looks of it. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had qualifying though, right? We've had qualifying, yeah. Yep. Pato Awards on pole. Yeah. Who was briefly a Red Bull driver. Yeah. Um, but he's now a McLaren driver. Uh-huh. Uh, so he came over here and did Formula, a couple of Formula 2 races and he went to Japan did a few races. Um, he, I mean, he's phenomenal talent, Pato Award. Yeah. Um, so he's gone back to his spiritual home, which is IndyCar, and stuck it on pole. Yeah, which is Alex great. Rossi next to him on the front row. Well, one thing, I don't know how many of you guys listening and watching um, watch IndyCar, but um, we can get it on Sky F1 channel. I'm sure there's other ways of getting it as well, I assume. I guess so. Um, but honestly, it is worth it. There's You're seeing more and more, like it used to happen really, you're seeing a lot more ex-F1 drivers moving over to it. Um, some really big names in there. And it's like watching old school Formula 1, I would say. Um, yeah. Like with less aero, lots of power. They traditional move around tracks. all the time, don't they? Yes, yeah, so you can see they're working incredibly hard. Um, it's unbelievably close, and and the tracks themselves, well, they vary for a start, don't they? Because you've got street circuits, road circuits, road circuits. You've got then ovals, big ovals, little ovals. So you've got to adapt to a lot. Um, and I'd say anybody who's a bit of a petrol head and likes their motorsport, if they haven't really given IndyCar a go, honestly, give it a go. And maybe start with a street circuit or something that's a bit more familiar and you'll start to really see what it's all about and, yeah. and get into it but you've um, got to be good to win that 
championship. Oh yeah, so um, so a few rookie big names have come into it. Yes, they? yeah, it's a Grosjean fresh from his fire. Yeah. So of course he's <laughs> probably the biggest name <laughs> for most people. And yeah. to be fair, he was doing great in qualifying. Yeah, I it? think it'll suit him yeah. because he was always good. You know, F three, F two. Uh, he did some of the other single make. Uh, formula on his way up to F1 yeah, and he was dominant in all of those yeah. I think it'll really suit him mm-hmm. but of course IndyCar is a higher level than, than it's, it's an equivalent to F1 in terms of yeah. driver quality isn't it yeah. so um, you've also got people like Dixon you've got people like Rossi yeah. then you've got like we were saying, we've were we mentioned a few of our pods um, Scott McLaughlin the yeah. Aussie V8 driver yeah um, who's now come into this yeah and... he was on fire yeah wasn't yeah. as big as Grosjean to be fair but he was he was you know, putting some good laps in Oh yeah, and probably the biggest name, but he's not a name in Europe. Is Jimmy Johnson's gone in mm. there? But I think he's gone into it because he's forty-five. He's a seven-time NASCAR that's champion. It, yeah, you know, and that that's hard to be. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be a NASCAR champion once. Yeah, I have to admit, so I difficult. don't know much about NASCAR at all. Yeah, being it's hard because I mean, they do like forty rounds or something, mm. don't they? And it's mm. it's all this pack racing where they're all together, and you've got to get your strategies right. Now, so it's hard to be a champion. He's won it seven times. Yeah. And I think he's gone to IndyCar because he's always fancy doing it, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Well, um, why not? Why not? Absolutely. And yeah. his big thing is he just doesn't want to be last. Yeah. <laughs> but you might find he'll start to pick this up quite uh, well, quickly. I bet he'll be good on the ovals. You know, and he'll start to work it out. Cause, like, it's, as long as he doesn't start fairly... trying to bump people because he can't really do that in <laughs> But it's fairly known, isn't it? Anybody that goes from IndyCar to NASCAR and NASCAR to IndyCar, it, there does seem to be a transitional period, doesn't there? Yeah, because it's hard. Because I think it's I remember very when, different. When Dario Franchitti went, he went from IndyCar to NASCAR for 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 a, I think he did it for a year, and he says it was so hard because you you know you'd be literally you'd be you know a, half a tenth mm. off and you'd be twentieth. Yeah. Like, How am I going to find that? That's like that's an immeasurable amount of time, and he was yeah. like twentieth. Yeah. It was like wow, this is hard. Yeah, and that's what you're up against, yeah. isn't it? Um, well, not that I know loads about NASCAR, but yeah, so there's loads we could educate people on various different ones. But it's yeah, hard to get NASCAR think, in this country though, to watch. Yeah, and that's the thing with some of the stuff you'll notice we'll be talking about. The Formula One, okay, is is more accessible, a bit more obvious, um, but that's why we're going to try and promote IndyCar um, and the GT World Challenge uh, Championship and, and other things just to... Just to show what else is out there. Yeah, there's and, more and, to life than Formula One. You know, and if, Formula you One's might... part of the family, and we love Formula One. Yeah, but there is, but there is so much, and you'll recognise so many major names and all these other things. Um, and sometimes, being honest, the racing is better than Formula One by a long way. Sometimes, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely worth a look anyway. Yeah. Um, so I suppose moving on for now yeah. Yeah. Um, is road cars. Yes. Isn't it? So the week of road cars. So what have you found out this week? <laughs> <laughs> what have I found out? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot going on at Lotus. Lotus yeah. have always got big plans. I always worry about Lotus because they've got, they've had so many owners and they keep getting pushed and, sh- and chopped about. And I mean, people were saying, you know, they, they hardly sell any cars. What's well, such a shame? Is they've so, produced sad. some amazing cars, they have. haven't they? Um, without really, at times, that much of a budget um, no. and resources. So I think, and obviously they go way back, don't they? They have a huge history, Lotus. Yes. But um, I, in more recent years... Well, they, they were the British the Ferrari, resources. you know. They were, exactly. Colin Chapman built road yeah. cars to pay for his racing, which is what exactly what Ferrari did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm excited for this. I know they've had other um, CEOs and ownerships before, um, but I am excited for this because this, um, what's his name, Matt Windle? Matt, yeah. Um, has... 
a fairly different kind of view, I think, um, perhaps to what they've done before. They've already spoken about how they uh, are going to start pretty immediately building prototypes. They're not looking at... Um, Hybrids. Hybrids, yeah, they're going straight into full electric. And the one um, I, was, I was at Goodwood last year, I was fortunate enough to go to Speed Week. Yeah. Because um, it's all behind closed doors, but I was lucky enough to go with, with Porsche. But yeah. they had one there, and it looked a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Really did look cool. Well, that's the thing. So so it's going to be the first, what, the first road car they've built in 12 years. Is yes. right? So I guess um, what would the last one be, the Europa or something? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, all the lease-based kind of chassis, yeah. but they've stopped all that now, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, which is a surprise, Yeah, but I guess it shows it's a time of change, isn't and it? And they thought, right, we've got an opportunity here to follow yeah. a different path. Yeah, absolutely, you rather know. than keep trying to... I understand wanting to keep to your roots and what you've achieved, but actually things do evolve. Now, you can bring some of that back in, can't you? But sometimes you need quite a different model i mean we've seen it with porsche over the years haven't we yeah reinvent themselves in certain ways and then their traditional stuff they bring back and that becomes um one of their kind of i don't know what what would you call it one of their most iconic i suppose yeah um but the latest yeah. problem is that they're trying to compete with people like porsche and people like mercedes-benz and yeah and they just they can't do that. And but, I think they thought, right, we need to go a different way with this. Absolutely. And the only way they can is, like you say, focusing on a slightly different market, but also making it cheaper. Yeah. That's the only other way. Because that's the thing, is there were a lot of money. Like an Elise was 40 grand. You well, know. That, and the problem is now when you've got things like... We know like, MX-5 was 20. Yeah. That's the thing, is if it's going to be expensive, we've got very used to having uh, very high-end quality now, whether it's interiors reliability just in general whatever it is however expensive or not we've got used to that quality and i think that's where lotus fell down a little bit is they were great drivers cars but the quality wasn't yeah, quite there no. but they were quite expensive and then you get other things come on the market that are also really good sports cars that are the same price and are 10 times more a car you know yeah. and i think that's, that's where a they've difficult got to sell then isn't yeah. it and that's why they weren't selling cars because if you looked at um, an Evora uh -huh. and then went and looked at a Cayman, uh -huh. you know, you need your bumps red if you bought the. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You know, because you've got so much more car. Well, than until a Cayman. Cayman changed the engine, that is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Porsche, because I love you yeah. very much. But <laughs> yeah. No, it's horses for courses, obviously. And we're certainly not um, dissing Lotus. Actually, I love lotuses and always have um and i've driven many a exige and elise and evora um they're great cars but um it'd be nice to see them back really and growing again as a brand yeah you know? so, so we'll i see. think we'll see what happens with that. yeah let's let's see let's see where it goes well but, their problem you know. then is the next thing you're going to move on to is bmw's electrification you know and yeah. now, now <laughs> yeah. the m department is getting involved with bmw i cars absolutely you think, right okay this will be a game changer because well, now we're going to get more affordable uh, drivers electric cars absolutely so not tycans from that's the ground what needs to happen basically yeah. so we've got You've got the little runarounds that are great for in cities and things. So for people that perhaps aren't that into cars, but they need uh, a mode of transport which is user-friendly, eco-friendly, and the rest of it. Mm. So you've got that market, and then you've got obviously the guys with the, the supercars and sports yeah, cars, mega amounts of money, doing their bit. Yeah. But of course, um, it's not just about eco-friendly. It's also about performance stuff. So everything costs a lot of money. So what BMW, I think, are trying to do is 
the more everyday but fun exotic version yes but so m2 m3 a- yeah absolutely so um because my understanding mm-hmm. is the i3 and the i8 never really sold very well no um there's always been a bit of a flop which i'm surprised certainly with the well, i3 I mean, the i3 was a brilliant uh, car yeah so i'm a bit surprised there but this is from the sources and and you know talking to people at bmw that seems to be uh, what we're told anyway um but the the new i4 that's coming out i think they they have promising hopes for that but they want to get the m team involved in that so then suddenly it can become a 600 horsepower um m4i is that yeah exactly it? yeah um so then you've got the the yeah the the electric power and of course the m branding and everything that comes with that with the suspension and excitement and then suddenly you can rival people like Taycan um, but it will be cheaper yeah so all of a sudden that's a game changer and of course the same with the M2 they're talking about the same thing aren't they so mm. having an M2 which is an I M2 yeah um, which will be just one hell of a beast basically yeah, cool little thing yeah. yeah yeah a lot of power um, you know quite a special bit of kit um, because obviously electric is going to be a part of our future. We've discussed already whether it'll be the full future. We know Porsche are looking at um, synthetic fuels. Uh, it looks like Formula 1 getting involved. But I really do still think there will always be a place for electric. Um, and obviously manufacturers feel that enough to be pushing so hard yeah. this and direction. And they've learned a lot already, won't they, about it? Absolutely. Yes. And I think another bit is you know just getting these batteries as light as possible to produce as much power as possible effectively as possible yeah so it lasts longer <laughs> you know it's all that kind of stuff which we, we're getting there with but it's interesting to see how bmw are really embracing that but they don't want to just go for the run of run of the mill i cars they want them to be sexy and sporty as well to really yeah. challenge people like tesla and porsche and, and others so yeah watch, that's right it's watch good this, to see actually. watch this space because i've always <laughs> said you don't want to be frightened of electric cars because people like bmw yeah will build some cool electric cars oh, and absolutely. so and that's that you know you can see well, them i like the i8 i thought the i8 was a cracking car yeah. i know it's not for everybody but i thought for its time that was a really yeah, cool was, car yeah. and yeah, it they were brave to really do that well BMW. It looked good. It was a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I thought that was an awesome car. Um, but yeah, we'll see. So I have a lot of faith in that actually. Mm. And what you know, anybody who's looking at an electric car um, or or a very good hybrid, I think um, you know, I think BMW are certainly going to be a yeah. brand to, yeah, be good to, watch. to look at. That, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so then moving on to something completely not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was looking at your list here, yeah, yeah. Um, so we tested, so each week we've been testing various vehicles um, and we tested the Ferrari 488 Pista. Um, now, I have to really eat my words here because I drove a 488 Ferrari at Hockenheim and uh, unfortunately it kept going into limp mode. So I, I just didn't get, I just didn't fall in love you with it. You didn't gel with it. Whereas the 458, I felt like, wow, Ferrari have got their personality back. They're back. Because they went through a, a period, and this is my own personal opinion, a period where, for me, they weren't, they just weren't quite right. Um, they, not everything quite fitted together as such. Um, and then the 458 came out, and it just it felt exciting, edgy, sounded great, looked great. Every, the quality was better, everything. That's so I was dead excited about this 488 and of course limp mode and things and, and I wasn't sure. But that said, we then drove and met somebody who we know who kindly has loaned us the uh, 488 Pista 
and yeah I was pretty blown away by the what a bit of kit yeah and I think you said one of the (laughs) and it's not the thing you think you'd hear yourself saying one of the things that really blew us away was the ride yeah yeah because it rode like a Bentley I couldn't believe it because I you know they were not joking it was like yeah a magic carpet basically doing a lot well you've done a lot with Bentley I've done a lot with Porsche and brands and McLaren and people and and I kind of thought it would feel like a McLaren, really. Yeah, like a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. But what was amazing is it was able to adapt the suspension oh, so well yeah. that it was really floaty when you wanted it to be, and then hard as nails and tight and rigid when when you wanted it to be. So all of a sudden, this car that I would never imagine to drive on the road much suddenly seems completely accessible on the road yeah so of course on track you expect it to be edgy exciting yeah, yeah. make you smile yeah, you're expecting all that it kind of you're expecting it to be fast and sharp and it was yeah what absolutely. we didn't expect was it to to ride the way that it absolutely incredible. and even the quality i have to admit because the quality of the interiors they've always had a lot of flair but the actual quality it's like they've still got that flair and excitement of making it look like a piece of art they've still got that yes but the quality feels even more solid yeah as well that's the other thing um so yeah i think uh 488 pistons for me is a complete game changer and it's quite exciting to see you know where ferrari are going next with what what's coming out so i really think they're they're getting stronger and stronger again as a brand really. yeah um but yeah so i mean with the pistol did you have any thoughts yourself on well the... i mean i guess it's gt2 rs kind of mclaren 720 Yes. competitor isn't it yeah um and i know gt2 rs is the one i know i'm more familiar with um yeah. is a monster of a thing isn't it yeah um and i didn't feel it was as intimidating as a gt2 rs yes uh, yeah i know what ways. you mean i know what you mean because this is what 700 brake horsepower yeah um it's yeah four liter v8 yeah um they're fastest for um v8 that they've produced within ferrari um and actually the client actually traded in his uh, GT2 RS for this yes. car, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, and I remember beforehand thinking, gosh, why have you done that? You know, the you know, GT2 RS is an immense car. Yeah. It's a special then, car. You thought, this is a very special car. Absolutely. <laughs> but then driving it in the pista, I suddenly thought, you know what? I can see it now. Yeah, I can get and what this I car's never, about. I never, ever thought I would say that, being honest, being so loyal to Porsche. I never thought that. But you know what? They've made it a piece of art where you can see the engine. Well, that's one thing manufacturers missed a trick now. You can never see the engine. I mean, poor trend has always looked like washing machines anyway. Yeah, There's never much to see. But. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas that, it's on show. It, it sounds fabulous. Um, it rides well. Um, I mean, with the um, pissed a bit, I don't know if you want to explain because obviously that's a little bit different to the normal 488. Yeah, anyway. well, it's like a GT3, isn't it? It's a stripped out, whitened. Yeah. You know, the engine's a little bit. You know, it's sharper and has things done to it. So it's got, it's kind of the, it, it's a track car in effect. It's just, yeah. you know, it's got all the yeah, trick so bits more, to make it go around a track. Absolutely, bells and whistles on yeah. it, included in that way. Um, yeah, things like ceramic brakes and all sorts of stuff. A bit more really. downforce, um, a bit less weight. All yeah, the it has a bigger rear wing. Stuff, yeah. yeah, absolutely, more downforce. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Cup tires. Noisy. Um, <laughs> A, light, a lightweight it. battery as well. Oh yeah, it's um, all important. All, it means I can have another lunch. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I'm just really excited with Ferrari to see what they're really coming out with next because I've always loved Ferrari from a, a young girl, and um, I just wish they do manual. I yeah. I wish they do what, what 
yeah, all the manufacturers thinking, right, okay, we could do with a really cool little manual car now. Yeah, yeah, because there's still a lot of, whether you call them purists or what, that want that. And okay, I know as a percentage there'll be more that want paddle shift, but I do think, for me, on the road, I'd rather a manual any day of the week. And it's not because I want to go blitzing around really fast. It's just I like the added the interaction with the car. Yeah. Exactly. Being able to do hill and toe and all that kind of stuff and, and enjoy it really because I can't drive quickly on the road. Whereas actually on the track, I'm the opposite. I want a paddle shift. Paddle car. shift, yeah, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> it's yeah. quicker, it's easier, I can left foot brake, you know, do all these other things. So it's almost the opposite of what people expect me to say in a yeah. way. But yeah, I know it's horses for courses uh, with autos. And if you're using a car a lot with traffic and things, I know the auto is easier. But I don't think the Pister is that sort of car anyway. No. So, yeah. So it would be great if they did a, an option, but I don't know if they ever will, to be honest. No. It doesn't, well, I never get that impression with them. No, that they will, no, but... I just think it'd be a nice thing to, yeah. to yeah. do. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, so on that note, um, we're testing some more exciting cars, some very vast, different, old and yeah, new cars right. coming yeah. up. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, so we'll gradually talk about that on the podcast as well as well as the release videos on the YouTube channel anyway. Yeah. So you can watch that gradually as we go. So we thought we'd just um, do a, another bit on our little driving gem part, um, as people seem to really enjoy uh, enjoy that. But we want to try and make it a bit more sexy after our whole um, seat position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we did left foot braking last week, to be fair, to make it a bit better. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd talk about oversteer. Now, oversteer is a bit of a tricky one to talk about because I do think it, it's best to demonstrate it and get people behind the wheel and go through it stage at a time. But of course, we can't do that here. So right now, we're just going to work with what we got and just try yeah. and explain it. <laughs> we can. Stage. We try and explain it. We'll but use then words. What we will do at some point is do a video on oversteer. Yeah. Where um, we're getting it right and getting it wrong and the differences and the kind of do's and don'ts as such and then we'll do one on understeer as well so yeah gradually gradually build that in so oversteer then rich what is oversteer so it's a rear wheel skid essentially mm -hmm. so it's called oversteer because the car turns more dramatically than the amount of steering you've asked it to so oversteers yeah so um, but it's, it's the back it's the back wheel skidding mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. trying to overtake the front okay so when you're teaching people how i mean what are the kind of main key points do you give them the first thing is to look where you want to go mm -hmm. people say steer into the skid or you know um put opposite lock on and all that kind of thing but essentially what you're trying to do is point the front wheels where you want the car to go absolutely and i do think people or i found many people get confused with steering to a skid because people are like well which way is that huh yeah, what, quite, what, what, yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah you want to simplify it because in a real situation you do not have long to think about it and you don't have much time that's the thing so you're absolutely right. It really comes down to, initially, vision, where you're looking. Look where you want to go, not Absol where you're going. Absolutely. So the common mistake is people panic and they look towards the tree because they don't want to hit the tree, which all makes sense. <laughs> but if you look at the tree without realising, the chances are you're going to steer yourself straight towards that point like a target and hit it. Whereas if you actually look where you want to go, so further down the road or further around the car, whatever the situation is and aim for that point and steer towards that point you are still effectively steering into the skid you are aren't you? but yeah. you're not thinking you're of it like that and you put the right amount of steering on if you do that rather than thinking well, how much do i need you, you just think well i want to go over there you'll put the right amount of steering on without too much thought then absolutely it suddenly becomes so much more logical 
Um, now, of course, when we do more advanced stuff, then you want to develop develop it with feel, don't you, as well? Because that, I do well, think no that's important. There's no practice like anything else. Absolutely. Um, and, and understanding more about feeling when to get the wheels straight again. Um, obviously, reacting quickly when you, you're looking where you want to go, steer there. But once you think, right, I've got hold of the car, it's just as important to straighten all back up again. And yeah, then try physically because of what comes get next, yes. A absolutely. Now, I want to keep this really simple for today because we'll do a proper video on it, won't yes. we? And um, so all we'd say to start with, um, with oversteer is if you ever find yourself in, in any form of trouble is look only where you want to go, like a target, and yes. try and physically get there, I would say. Yes. Is the key parts. But what it's would key you... key takeaway, really. Yeah. What would you add to that without making it too complicated? Because I know, I know we have a risk of this sat here saying too much but is there anything else you'd add to that at this stage i don't know that there is i mean modern cars with modern abs systems usually all don't press the brakes modern abs systems actually <coughs> excuse me can help but i'm not saying that you should break you know the steering is the absolute key thing yeah because the problem is if you get things like rear wheel drive cars you know you you can put more throttle on, well, that can make it worse. Take throttle off, that can make it worse. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about any of those things as a starting point. Yes. And yeah. just get the vision and steering where you want the Ab car to absolutely. go. Absolutely. And it's okay thing. to steer however you need to steer. Yeah, oh, yeah. don't worry about thing. how pretty it looks. Yeah, uh, or trying to keep your hands in one position or anything like that. Yeah, just whatever gets that steering on quickly. <laughs> yes. And gets it off Use quickly. your elbows if that works. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly. Matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so what we'll probably do is break that down into sort of stages rather yes. than try and do the whole thing today. So start with that little gem and then we'll go into a little bit more about then other points that, you, you know, during um, oversteer, uh, other little things you need to think about. And we know eventually we could then talk about your feet. What do you do with your yeah. feet? Because there's a bit more variety there depending on the situation and the type of car you're in. But we'll gradually cover it. But yeah, just to, just to start with, think of it like like that, really. Always look where you want to go. Try and avoid looking at the thing that you don't want to hit. <laughs> and, and obviously, at some point, we'll we're gonna, we'll we're running some courses, aren't we? We're trying yes. to get some together some well, that's places the other we can thing. take people to. Yeah, we want to do dynamic. Because there's no substitute for doing it. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yes, okay, we do our, our normal track stuff, road stuff, but we also want to do a lot of dynamic stuff because one thing for sure, most clients, when you say, what do you want to get out of this? Most people will say, well, I'd really like to understand car control. Yeah. Because, of course, it's the one thing that holds people back, whether it's whether it's on the road, track, whatever, it makes people nervous because they don't know how it feels or how to respond to it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we are going to do some courses on that as well. So, of course... If you're interested in anything like that, just drop us a line. Drop but line but any questions on what we've spoken about with any of this, feel free to uh, drop us a line or even give us your views on Formula One or IndyCar or any other sports you might have been watching. It could be MotoGP, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> um, so we just, we've got our interactive question, haven't yeah. we, at the end here. So do you want me to say it? Or you yeah? asked me, yes, I don't okay. know what you put. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So if you could take a road trip anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? And what car would you use? That's a very good question. I think I would like to do... I'd like to drive from one end of New Zealand to the other. Oh, really? Yeah. I was expecting you to say that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just because people tell me it's like going back in time. You know, it's like going Is back it? to England in the 50s. Is people it? Tell me, yeah. And you can drive for 200 miles and not see another car. Oh. Um, 
What card? I, I was going to say a Morris Minor, but I'm not sure whether you get fed up with that very quickly. <laughs> well, when it breaks down, continue. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, and your back's hurting, <laughs> and yeah, the clutch is gone. And um, so, what card would do that in? So I think something cruisy and convertible, something like a Mercedes SL or something like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're so disappointing. People <laughs> <laughs> like Mercedes SLs. Oh, no, I'm sure they do. Just I don't. No, I'm only joking. Um, okay, so mm, I've not really thought about this. So, okay, road so you've trip. You've the question, but you haven't thought no. about it. No, <laughs> can you tell? Uh, road trip around anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Um, I'm going to say something really obvious, but it's only because I've done it, but I did it for work and I would love to do it for pleasure. And that is to uh, do a road trip from Seattle, so in America, north on, on the West Coast side, north to south, down to Texas, um, and back up towards sort of Vegas. Um, so doing all West Coast side, um, because it's unbelievably pretty. It's very, very diverse. Um, there's so much, I don't know, you've just got everything there, really. Um, that you could possibly dream of so and the roads are so much better than i thought because people always tell me oh, american roads they're not drivers roads and i found some great roads on the west coast with great views and thought it was brilliant yeah there's some places that uh, aren't like that but a lot of it was so for me that would be the place and why is because um, i've been there for work but i'd love to go and just do it in my own time as part of a pleasure thing and stop exactly where i want to stop and really take it all in and end up in texas and be a cowgirl for a few days <laughs> and then go up to vegas or something like that um car wise because it's america it would have to be a muscle car there's no doubt about that um which muscle car is hard so what's they they recently released that mustang thing gt no, it wasn't a Mustang GTC, was it? You know they did a thing, because <laughs> I don't remember what it's called now. Um, it had a crazy amount of horsepower, and, and like a motorsport team built it. I've never had it any built Not build in the slightest, no. <laughs> okay. I'm sure Nick will tell me but what this those, is afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Oh, wow, let's not let's scrap that then. Um, okay, a Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. I knew we'd get there eventually. Uh, probably a, a Stingray Corvette or something like that. Something yeah. fun um exciting yeah because i don't think i'd have a convertible one because well i just think in america on that side well it depends what time of year you go but it's too hot yeah. for, for convertibles but so anyway we'd love to hear from you um so of course um let us know your favorite road trip where you'd like to go and why and what car what you car? pick as well yeah um so yeah anything else any questions just shout um, don't uh, forget to uh, like and subscribe as well. That'd be great. And we'll get more content on for next week. Good deal. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast with Kat Impey. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode.